Welcome to the Wedlake Bell Legal Podcast, covering a range of legal topics, including updates from our four practice groups private client, real estate, business services, and dispute resolution. Welcome to Red Lake Bell's Data Protection Podcast, Episode 7, recorded on 31st March 2022. Today we have 21 topics for you. Topic number one, John Edwards delivers his first speech as the UK's Information Commissioner. During his speech at an IAPP event, the Commissioner set out his goal to bring more certainty for organisations and individuals in respect of their rights, obligations and regulatory action. The intention is to reduce the regulatory burden while preserving rights. Organisations who approach the ICO for advice will be able to rely on a binding undertaking on how their activities will be treated, allowing them to invest with confidence. John Edwards supports a surgical and targeted enforcement action. Update number two, UK Online Safety Bill. The current draft creates a new duty of care for platforms to manage illegal and legal content online. The duty will apply differently to different categories of service providers. Depending on the alleged criminal offence in question, a duty of care in respect of illegal user content would require preventative action involving active monitoring or mitigation steps involving removal upon notice. This would be triggered without any independent adjudication of illegality. This contrasts with the current intermediary liability under which platforms are encouraged to remove user content on becoming aware that it is unlawful. Article 15 of the e-commerce directive prohibits imposition of general monitoring obligations for illegal content. The illegality duty under the Online Harms Bill will be triggered by reasonable grounds to believe that the content is illegal. It is feared that such low threshold could lead to the removal of legitimate content. The priority offences which will trigger a preventative duty will include money laundering or extreme pornography, neither of which are aimed at specific individuals. The risk is that this may lead to content censoring out of caution. The duty is subject to safeguards to ensure free speech and proportionality, including greater independence for Ofcom, redress mechanism, tighter definitions around content that creates a risk of harm, a greater emphasis on safety by design, consistent application of terms of service, stronger minimum safeguards, Ofcom's proposed binding code of practice on identifying, reporting and handling illegal content, stronger protections for journalistic content and content of public interest. The definition of illegal content should be reframed to explicitly add the need to consider context as a factor, but it is unclear how platforms will obtain such contextual information without extensive surveillance of communications. Update number three, EU Commission announces Privacy Shield 2. It is reported that both sides have reached a political breakthrough during Joe Biden's recent visit to Brussels. Max Schrems finds it especially appalling that the US has allegedly used the war on Ukraine to push for the EU on this economic matter. An agreement in principle on a new framework for transatlantic data flows has been reached, but a text is yet to be drafted. The transfers will help facilitate $7.1 trillion in economic relationships, 
A new set of rules will apply to limit access to data by U.S. intelligence authorities to what is necessary and proportionate to protect national security. U.S. intelligence agencies will adopt procedures to ensure effective oversight of new privacy and civil liberty standards imposed on them. EU individuals will be able to complain to the agencies and seek redress from an independent data protection review court. An executive order will form the basis of a draft adequacy decision by the Commission to put in place the new transatlantic data privacy framework. Update number four, U.S. Government Surveillance Transparency Act. The bill aims to ensure that the government can't hide surveillance forever by misusing sealing and gag orders to prevent the American people from understanding the enormous scale of government surveillance, as well as ensuring that the targets eventually learn that their personal information has been searched. The requirement already exists for phone wiretaps and bank record subpoenas, and the proposal will expand this to people's emails, location and browsing records and other digital information obtained by the government. Non-disclosure orders will be limited to 180 days, which can be renewed if necessary. If successfully challenged, the government will pay the legal fees. Courts will have to publish basic data about every surveillance order they authorize. Law enforcement will have to notify courts if they search the wrong person, house or device. Surveillance applications and orders will eventually have to be unsealed and made available to the public and press once it will no longer disrupt an investigation or put individuals at risk of harm. Update number 5. EDPB on essential safeguards for cooperation between EEA and third country data protection authorities. The draft instrument offers draft administrative arrangements or international agreements to ensure effective individual rights redress and oversight when sharing data for cooperation. The receiving authority is bound to use the data only to fulfill its enforcement functions. The international agreement can be used to complement the laws or rules applicable to the receiving authority if its local laws are insufficient to provide the necessary safeguards. The receiving authority must be able to receive complaints from individuals through an online form or email as well as to its DPO, and it should consult with the European authority about its response. Under the instrument, a data subject has the right to obtain judicial redress, including access correction or deletion of personal data, and to obtain compensation for damages. Update number 6. EDPS Case Law Digest on Transfers of Personal Data to Third Countries. The document discusses judgments about the overarching principle of the law of transfers, which is the continuity of protection of personal data even if data is transferred abroad. Such protection may differ from that in the EU as long as it is effective in practice to ensure protection essentially equivalent to that guaranteed within the EU. Update number 7, EDPB guidelines on codes of conduct as tools for international data transfers. A code should enable controllers and processors to make binding commitments to apply appropriate safeguards. Codes may be prepared by associations, other representative bodies or group companies. Codes could be used for data transfers within a market sector. Existing GDPR compliance codes can be expanded to include data transfers. The following elements need to be addressed. Essential principles, rights and obligations arising under the GDPR for controllers and processes. Guarantees about onward transfers, conflict of laws and similar matters. Liability of code members for breach of the code. Third-party beneficiary rights for individuals. 
The right of data subjects to assert their rights as beneficiaries under the code against the importer before a local supervisory authority or court without prejudice to any mechanism under the code. A warranty that the importer has no reasons to believe that its local law prevented from complying with the code. Update number 8. ICO's draft guidance on data processing for research. Processing for archiving purposes in the public interest, scientific or historical research purposes and statistical purposes are collectively referred to as research. Research may be carried out by public, private or third sector organizations. Data protection enables technological innovation through exemptions which may apply provided that the purpose of your processing is research. Archiving in the public interest is the permanent preservation and usability of records of enduring value of, for general public interest. It could include archiving to enable future research and investigations or ensuring long-term accountability, but it will not include the long-term retention of records for business or legal purposes. A pre-existing archiving policy will help demonstrate compliance with the law. Historic and scientific research includes academic research as well as commercial technological development with the purpose to produce new knowledge, gain insights or apply existing knowledge in novel ways, often with the aim of benefiting the public interest. Even seemingly remote activities such as supporting inclusive research will fall under this heading. Statistical purposes will include activities where the primary purpose is to uh, produce statistical outputs which must be anonymized and not used uh, to make decisions about others. Legitimate interest or public task will likely apply, coupled with the research purposes condition for processing of special categories data, if the processing is in the public interest and appropriate safeguards are in place. One must be open and honest about obtaining data and safeguard against function creep. However, an exemption to purpose limitation allows repurposing data for research. No new lawful basis is needed for such compatible purpose. However, this does not apply to data collected by consent, as repurposing data would unfairly undermine consent, or data collected from another organization, because this is data sharing and a new lawful basis is indeed needed. Personal data can be kept indefinitely if research is the only purpose, otherwise data must be deleted. Consent is an important ethical standard that ensures the autonomy and privacy of participants in research studies is protected. However, consent to participate in a research study is distinct from consent as a lawful basis to process personal data. Consent as a lawful basis will often not be practical because it can be withdrawn and there is no exemption to keep processing for research and this could undermine the validity of the research if effective anonymization is not possible. It could also be invalid due to a power imbalance. However, if the researcher does want to rely on consent, it is not necessary to fully specify the precise research purposes in advance. However, general areas of research must be identified and where possible granular options must be given. The research condition for processing of special category data applies where it is necessary to achieve the research purpose in a reasonable and proportionate way without a chance to achieve it by less intrusive means, subject to appropriate safeguards, not likely to cause substantial damage or distress, not used for measures or decisions about individuals unless necessary for approved medical research, and where it is in the public interest. If research benefits only a small number of people, 
it can still be in the public interest where the benefit generated is significant. Exemptions to data rights only apply to the extent they would prejudice the research on a case-by-case -case basis. The reasons for relying on an exemption must be made available to the ICO on request. A data protection impact assessment is necessary to determine if providing privacy information would involve disproportionate effort. The ICO would expect that in most cases the legitimate interest in re the research would override an objection uh, from a data subject. Research exemptions do not apply if the intention is to use research results to make specific decisions about a data subject or to inform the services you provide to them. Update number 9. EDPB consultation on dark patterns in social media platforms. Dark patterns are interfaces and user experiences that lead users into making unintended, unwilling and potentially harmful decisions regarding the processing of their personal data. There is an additional concern about their potential impact on children. Dark patterns do not automatically result in a breach of the GDPR. However, a consent could be invalid if the user is nudged to give it. For example, by referring to a cookie recipe in a cookie banner or and detracting from the technical function of cookies to obtain consent, or repeatedly asking the user for their phone number for authentication purposes. The guidance suggests that one-click consent must be met with one-click withdrawal. The guidance discourages emotional steering by language, for example, to complete a profile since the user has already put in effort into registration, or by discouraging deletion of data or an account by saying you lose everything forever, or highlighting a suspension option over deletion. The EDPB also discourages confirmation requests like are you sure, which place an extra step before allowing a privacy-friendly setting, while the same confirmation is not sought when consenting to advertising or profiling. If less privacy-friendly options are pre-selected, you must be able to justify this, the risk being that users are unlikely to change these even if given the possibility. Ensure that privacy settings are available in all related services, not just your uh, website, but not the app, or vice versa. Use clear language and avoid using phrases like, your data may be used. Linguistic consistency between website and app must be ensured. The guidance encourages some best practices, such as sticky navigation with a table of contents with anchor links, constantly displayed while navigating other pages explaining consequences of processing in a neutral way, offering specific data processing examples to make the processing more tangible for users, contrasting elements by making them visually striking, running data protection onboarding just after the creation of an account. Update number 10. German DSK offers guidance to regulators about direct marketing. Among other things, the guidance explains the double opt-in. This process allows parties to verify consent as required under German case law. Merely recording the IP address of the user who gave consent is not sufficient. Consent must be recorded in its entirety and include the consent wording. It must be capable of being printed. In relation to the use of mobile numbers for marketing, an email confirmation of consent is not sufficient because it does not prove the person's control over the phone number. Apparently complying with the double opt-in requirement by sending a code to the user by text or phone is not recommended due to the risk of fraud. 
Update number 11, Baden-Württemberg Authority on Cookies and Tracking uh, for Web and App Operators. Among other things, the guidance tackles dark patterns such as fundamentally misleading headlines on cookie banners, including the following examples. We love cookies. This website uses cookies. We respect your privacy. It is important to protect your data. We need your consent. Served with love, accept cookies. A reject all button must be available in the first layer. Upgrade number 12. It is time to target online advertising, a blog by the EDPS. The European Data Protection Supervisor emphasised that whilst increased transparency will be an improvement, there is a need for regulatory incentives to be introduced which promote less invasive methods of advertising. Additional rules to increase transparency will be introduced by the Digital Services Act and the proposed regulation on the transparency and targeting of political advertising. He also recommends placing a restriction on the type of data categories processed in targeted advertising. Specifically, he suggests that special categories of data should be completely excluded. Update number 13. Irish Council for Civil Liberties sues the Irish DPC over its failure to act on massive Google data breach. The ICCL is referring to Google's real-time bidding online advertising system, which it calls the biggest data breach ever recorded. The DPC's failure to act on ICCL's complaint received three and a half years ago allowed Google's data breach to continue across the entire EU. As the lead authority, the DPC's inaction has prevented other authorities from acting. Update number 14. UK government's online advertising program consultation and digital regulation driving growth and unlocking innovation. The consultation will tackle the evident lack of transparency and accountability. A new comprehensive advertising regulatory framework will apply to all actors across the advertising supply chain, bridging the current regulatory gap mainly affecting advertisers. Self-regulation is preferred to maintain a pro-innovation and proportionate approach to digital regulation. Regulators will be given appropriate powers and tools to address issues holistically. The proposed digital regulation will include regulatory and self-regulatory norms aimed to drive growth, competition and innovation across the digital sector, minimize harm to citizens and businesses, and to protect our fundamental rights and freedoms and democratic society. Update number 15, EDPS preliminary remarks on modern spyware. The document explains the unprecedented risk of the Pegasus spyware, which by exploiting system vulnerabilities gives almost unrestricted access to a person's daily life. It is unlikely that Pegasus would meet the requirements of proportionality, whether used privately or by law enforcement, except perhaps in the case of an imminent terrorist attack. The EDPS suggests a ban on the technology. Update number 16, ICO guidance on video surveillance. The guidance covers automatic number plate recognition, facial recognition technology, and machine learning algorithms, smart doorbells, drones, and other video surveillance. For example, it explains that a smart doorbell must be appropriately positioned to avoid inadvertently recording neighboring entrances or private property that are not intended subject of surveillance. A data protection by design and default approach and a data protection impact assessment are necessary where video surveillance is deployed for the processing of special category data, monitoring publicly accessible places on a large scale, or monitoring individuals at a workplace. Update number 17, Bloomberg and ZXC. 
The Supreme Court holds that a person under criminal investigation has prior to being charged a reasonable expectation of privacy in respect of information relating to that investigation. It is widely accepted as a matter of public policy that there is a negative effect on an innocent person's reputation in publishing that he or she is being investigated by the police. There is a uniform general practice by the police not to identify those under investigation prior to charge. The publication would ordinarily cause substantial damage to the person's reputation and other damage. The assumption that there is no smoke without fire runs contrary to well-established principles in defamation law, such that the ordinary reasonable reader can distinguish suspicion from guilt and is not unduly suspicious or avid for scandal. Update number 18, Japan's API and Supplementary Rule 4. The Japanese authority formulates rules for a higher level of protection of individuals' rights and interests regarding the handling of personal data received from the EU based on the adequacy decision. This will include breach reporting and regulating onward transfers. Topic number 19. The ICO reprimands the Scottish Government over the need to be upfront about the use of personal details within the NHS Scotland COVID status app. The Government and NHS have failed to fulfil transparency requirements and adequately protect individuals' rights within the NHS Scotland COVID status app. The app launched last September despite a warning from the ICO. An investigation confirmed the failings and a disregard for the ICO's guidance. Update number 20. EDPB on the Article 60 consistency mechanism between the lead authority and authority concerned. The one-stop-shop rule ensures consistency in all cross-border processing cases. The lead supervisory authority is primarily responsible for handling such cases, but subject to other authorities' concerned power to act independently within the cooperation procedure. The national authorities have a discretion to decide with all due diligence the course of action that can best achieve the public interest they serve. However, this power is not unlimited as all authorities are required to act cooperatively and are accountable for their decisions or non-decisions regarding a given case. Update number 21. ANISA on deploying pseudonymization techniques. Pseudonymization is increasingly becoming a key security technique by providing a means that can facilitate the processing of personal data while offering strong safeguards for individuals. For example, the technique is useful in exchanging patient health data and in clinical trials. Starting from a plain token, pseudonymization can be a simple option to adopt, but it can also be comprised of a very complex process, both at technical and at organizational levels. Defining the objectives is important because they will inform using deterministic pseudonymization, which always uses the same pseudonym for the same data, document randomized pseudonymization, which uses the same pseudonym for the same data only within a consistent scope, or fully randomized pseudonymization, which always uses a different pseudonym for the same data. Basic pseudonymization techniques include monotonic counter, which is increased for each new pseudonym, random value for each new pseudonym, non-versible cryptographic function transforming input personal data in fixed length values, non-reversible cryptographic function transforming input personal data using a hash-based message authentication code, or reversible encryption. For more information, please visit the Red Lake Bell website.
You just listened to the Wedlake Bell Legal Podcast. If you liked our episode and want to know more, then check out our website, www.wedlakebell.com. Wedlake Bell. Building relationships is at the heart of everything we do.